Welcome, listeners, to The Cozy Corner with Alexia Gordon, the podcast that highlights cozy and traditional mysteries. You won't find stories filled with explicit sex or graphic violence. You will find interviews with authors who create crime fiction filled with intriguing plots, engaging characters, and high-quality writing. Thanks for listening. Hello, listeners. Welcome to another episode of The Cozy Corner with Alexia Gordon. I'm Alexia Gordon, author and host of the podcast. Dana Mentink joins me in the corner today to chat about Pint of No Return, the first shake shop mystery. Welcome, Dana. Well, thank you. And can I just say real quick that I am listening to Murder in G Major right now on audiobook and enjoying it very much. You did such an amazing job because it's so atmospheric. I feel like I should put on a wool sweater and, you know, it's like raining and she's in this little tiny. Oh, it's so great. I'm really enjoying it. So, well, thank you very much. I'm glad to to you. (laughs) Now, your new series is about a divorcee who opens a shake shop and becomes involved in murder. So would you tell us about your sleuth, Trinidad Jones, and what she's up to in Pine of No Return? Sure. Trinidad is uh, having kind of a hard time. She's in her uh, late 30s and she's sort of having to reinvent her life and decide who who she is. She's uh, been betrayed by her ex, come to find out. There are a couple of other wives in the picture here. Uh, And she is sort of out of resources. She's an out-of-work stenographer, really. And she winds up uh, with her only chance at uh, redemption is taking over the shake shop well it's actually an old hot dog shop uh and making it her own in in upper sprocket oregon eastern oregon the trouble is though that gabe her naughty naughty ex his uh sister happens to be the chief of police and his other two ex-wives also live in this town so it's a little sticky, if you will, a little sticky situation. But you know what would what a cozy mystery would be without stickiness? We don't know. So fun, 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 fun to write. I got to do a little like delve into my family history here because my grandfather is uh, well, this grandfather in the story is kind of modeled after my grandpa, a Cuban man who he would say Chevy, you know, and I just was fascinated with his accent. So <laughs> had a lot of fun in the old family tree researching for this series. So lots of fun. Now, now the the town, frankly, doesn't sound like it's big enough for, uh, you know, two more ex-wives plus a sister slash cop. Um, It's not big enough for all of them, that's for sure. (laughs) There's going to be trouble. You just know it, right? I mean, trouble, trouble, trouble. Anyway. Now, what, what made Oregon the ideal place to set this small town? Well, I was planning a fantastic trip to Eastern Oregon before the virus that shall not be named. But I think Oregon is pretty fascinating because you have this beautiful coastline, you have almost desert conditions in some regions, and then you have Eastern Oregon, which is called the uh, Little Alps, if you will, of, um, of the West Coast. So it's very, very interesting to- topographically. And it was just fun to plot my own little town there, you know? It was great fun. I got to make up my whole town just the way I wanted it. And they have really diverse weather in terms of hot summers and snowy winters. And I just thought that would be a great challenge to somebody running a shake shop. You know, ice cream is not the top of everybody's purchase list when it's snowing. 
So can't wait to see how she figures that one out. Ha <laughs> ha. And, and speaking of milkshakes, uh, you know, that's, that's not, that's, that's kind of a fresh twist on the, the foodie theme. Uh, you know, yes. milkshakes are not the typical uh, uh, specialty of uh, cozy protagonists. So how did you decide on milkshakes as, as her, as her gig? Well, I, I should probably start off by saying I have a little problem with carbohydrates. Sugar. Oh, sugar's my friend. I know I'm not supposed to eat it. And you're, you know, you're very skilled medically in the doctor and you know, you're going to tell me I shouldn't drink it, eat sugar, but I do anyway. Uh, and we're kind of getting this trend here where on the West Coast, I don't know if, if we're, we're, we are where you are, but there's something called the freak shake. Have you ever heard of the freak shake? Until I read your book, no. <laughs> Okay, if you search Freak Shake on Instagram, up pops these pictures of like, they're disgusting, really. I mean, they're massive. And they're shakes with, you know, like slices of cake on top or waffles and chicken or just all kinds of weird combinations, but just more calories than you would consume in a lifetime, you know. So, um, and you can come up with fun names and everything. So currently we're actually having a freak shake contest and it is hilarious what people are suggesting that we put on a freak shake. Anyway, they're just monstrous, huge. It's like conspicuous consumption at its worst. But um, if you search freak shake, you'll see what I mean. They're just, I mean, so I've spent a lot of time researching this and I've contacted some restaurants over the pandemic and they've allowed me to use their pictures and explain this these freak shake things and they're like wow wow that's a lot you know so we didn't go for the milkshakes no we went for the freak shakes now your your book starts with a description of this this monster milkshake the freak shake which actually i thought that was your words i was going to give you credit for inventing this entire entire thing i'm sorry i would love i would love to take credit but no (laughs) i did not invent the freak shake movement (laughs) but but yours involves brulee marshmallows and ganache uh yeah later on in the book you include a recipe for key lime ice cream so Mm -hmm. my question is who develops your recipes and who gets to test them well, I develop them and the people around me are, may or may not be fortunate enough to test them. But key lime ice cream is really excellent. Do you like key lime pie? I do. I love it. I love it. And I was so excited when I found this recipe for key lime ice cream. And I sort of adapted it and changed it over the years. Yummy. Yummy. So I forgot what the question was. Um, <laughs> Well, yesterday you, you developed your oh, recipe did, and, and yes. lucky enough to test them because I, I mean, you know, testing brulee marshmallows, uh, chocolate ganache, and key lime ice cream is not exactly a hardship. So who? who no, that's be true. Able to try these. Oh, I have a whole team of people. You know, I have three sisters who all live close. I have my parents who live close. But Papa Bear, as we fondly call Mister Mentink, is always game. He he's a, you know he doesn't really like stuff that's outside the box so a lot of times he'll be like huh yeah hmm so and sometimes I think things that are fantastic others are like "Hmm." so that always you know kind of crushes me but anyway what can you do (laughs) have you thought of any for the book that maybe your test your beta testers or your editors were were like "Mm." maybe no, that's a little too out there. <laughs> well, no, but my dog, we, we were working on the chili dog flavor and it's like a 
my dog has decided that it's great when it's a milkshake consistency, but she doesn't like it frozen. <laughs> so I'm like, but we want to call it the chili dog, Junie. You can't, we can't have it, you know, running all over the place. We need to freeze it. But she's like, no, I much prefer it when it's not frozen. <laughs> so I've already explained to you about my annoying dog. So it, I, 11 pounds of trouble in a fur coat, but she's my hardest critic really is the dog. Anyway, uh, yeah, so sometimes we, we get a little too outside the box, but uh, we try to, you know, I tried in the recipes to do just simple things that people can make at home, because we're not going to make a freak shake with chicken and waffles stuck on the top. It's just not going to happen. So just easy things. As a matter of fact, today, before I talk to you, I was trying my pickle jar ice cream. That's grosser than it sounds, but you just basically take an empty pickle jar and you make just with shaking, no electricity or anything, you make your own little ice cream in a pickle jar. Oh. And see, now that's fun, right? Like you that's could do fun. that. Yeah. That's not, it doesn't require 42 ingredients and a, you know, a torch. It's, it's just really easy. So I'm into the easy. That does sound like fun. Yeah. Be fun to do with kids and things like that. It would still be fun to take a torch and put some brulee marshmallows on top of it. Though. Wouldn't it though? But I'm a little scary with torches and the one I have doesn't work anymore. So my husband worries when I get things that start fires. <laughs> he's, he's an arson investigator, retired arson investigator. Uh, so, you know, he's he's very aware of flammability. <laughs> so there it is. <laughs> Stick to writing. Don't don't light anything on fire. Have there been any arsons started with a with a brulee torch? Not yet, but you know what? There's another book to come, right? I just finished the second one in the series, but the third one is waiting. That's a good idea. Don't tell anybody. Okay. <laughs> Forget you heard that. <laughs> now, now, you mentioned uh, the, the grandfather in, in the book, Trinidad's grandfather, Luis. Um, and now in the book, he prepares this big meal for the townsfolk that includes tostones and black beans and mango. So do you foresee in future books, maybe Trinidad expanding her offerings beyond the uh, gourmet shakes into some other form of cuisine? Well, I never really did think of that, but you know what? I can totally see Papa Luis, uh, you know, starting a little side biz over there or something. What he's doing in the second book is he's tootling around town in his beautiful classic car, and he's sort of like a, an older Cuban Uber, if you will. So he doesn't really understand the concept of an Uber, but he just likes to show off his car. So I can see him, you know whipping out the old uh, recipes, maybe starting up a little side biz. Well, that's a good idea. You're very much helpful helping me with this series. You're but so now people will have, just have to forget what you told them. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise they won't be surprised. <laughs> but they'll be so wanting food based on reading it that they won't even mind at all. It's like, gee, that's oh, good yeah. for dinner tonight. <laughs> that's the best kind of book that makes you hungry. You know, you're like, oh, I got to have a freak shake or some tatsones or something. <laughs> hmm. Uh, your, your sleuth uh, rents, you mentioned that she rents a 200 square foot tiny house. So are you yeah. a tiny house aficionado or can you tell us a little more about the, you know, we, we probably, honestly, I probably know more about milkshakes than about tiny houses. So can you tell us a little more about tiny oh, houses? Uh, they're amazing. We, we saw one built and display, but you, they basically, a lot of them start with a kit and it's like this little teeny weeny little house. And I kind of, I'm, a, I'm drawn to the simplicity of that. Like, Really, I have way too much stuff. I don't know if you feel this, but I'm like sitting in my closet, as we mentioned, doing this interview to keep away from my barking dog. And I'm like, 
dang, I got too much stuff. <laughs> so I like the, the idea that the tiny house, you really have to get honest, right? And everything is multi-purpose. Like you have this little uh, table that drops down and, it, and it's also the platform for your bed and, you know, things like that. So I did tour a tiny house and it's a very steep ladder to the sleeping area. So I probably am like too flabby and out of condition to live in a tiny house like that but I do love love the idea of it you know just the little tiny house cozy just what you need and not what you don't you know because like stuff expands to fill the available space did you notice this yes you have a big house you fill it with a lot of stuff you have a small house you have less stuff so I guess it's a dream of mine to simplify but so a lot of the sleeping loss could be your exercise and you could save on a gym membership that it's true, but I always think like, well, what if I was sleepwalking in the that night? And I, yeah, and I'm just the type that would do that or just even not sleepwalking, you know, going up and down to go to the bathroom at night. And then, oh my goodness, that would be a heck of a descent, but I'm a worry wart, I guess. But the, sim- the, the tiny idea, and, and actually we live in uh, Northern California and it's becoming very popular to hear that it's called a casita. You build a little, um, mother-in-law unit in your backyard and everybody's like renting them out because the the housing market here is ridiculous and it's really hard to find stuff and people are all moving around right now because of the pandemic so it's very popular to build a tiny home in your yard and rent it out as a second dwelling or have family members live there you know if you like your family members that kind of thing so love it love that idea and now Trinidad shares a space with her pooch Noodles, who you mentioned is a senior rescue dog. Um, you obviously have a dog, and I do. Um, you, you talk about her, you know, on your website. Uh, so is, is she a rescue dog? She is a rescue dog. Yes, she was a, a runaway in a couple of different shelters before we got her, and she basically, you know, she hooked she 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 she. she, she swindled us because we she just came out she's just a little tiny little tiny thing she took a treat gently from each member in our family and we're like sign us up so we took this dog home and then it was a battle of wills because she was not potty trained and I said we are going to potty train you and eventually she let me she gave in uh, and she's she's a lovely dog and we love her to pieces, but she's a teeny bit mischievous. All of my books are chewed, the spines, you know, and my Bible is beyond help. And she has something for book spines. I don't know. Do you have a dog? Uh, not right now. I, I've had dogs in the past. Right now I have a cat because I was oh. a lot. I decided a cat would probably be happier. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it's that presence. They, they bring such joy, but sometimes there were not joyful moments with Junie, but we love her. She's gotten much better as she gotten older, but we cannot convince her not to bark. That's for sure. And she has been known to steal things off of the kitchen counter. I lost some cookies there once. And <laughs> then she hid them under a blanket on the sofa because she thought that'd be a great idea. It wasn't a great idea, as it turns out. It was a complete mess. But she just ate as many as she possibly could before I was on to this evil plot of hers but anyway the dog in the book is named noodles and he is a flunk out uh, uh, service dog so he didn't quite make it through the service dog program and he will just like randomly bring you bottles of ranch dressing he just he he thinks of these things in his little dog brain and he's like okay and he knows how to turn on the signal in the car things like that and that was based on a story i heard about an actual service dog who would just randomly bring you a jar of ranch dressing from the refrigerator whether you asked for it or not and I thought that's a dog who knows his own mind, you know, 
So fun, fun, fun. And all the, and then the true crime things that I listen to, a dog's always randomly bringing something like a leg bone. So is, is <laughs> involved in right. <laughs> Uh, no. Well, no. Noodles, I would not say, is a sleuthing dog. <laughs> Noodles is a loving, companionable, try to help you in a bumbling sort of way. He is not one of these ESP animals that's like, wait, I know who the killer was. No, no, no. Just like my Junie wouldn't be any help with that at all. Now you do mention that he's a senior dog. So what, what are some, some benefits of adopting a senior pet? Oh, I love senior dogs. You know, I wrote a different series um, a while back and we have this uh, group in San Francisco called Muttville and that's what they specialize in is adopting senior dogs. And they let me use their, one of their senior dogs on the cover of my book. Oh, oh, they're so sweet. You know, senior dogs, I just think they're so grateful. They're like, I love you. Thank you for bringing me into your home. I'm just going to be your companion. I'm not going to pull a plow or like do anything helpful. I'm just going to love you and be grateful. And they're so adorable. Oh, I just love senior dogs. You know, amazing. <laughs> I also get from, from your book um, and from the acknowledgments that, uh, that you, you, you love your, your human family as well. Oh, yeah. Um, and <laughs> in your acknowledgement to you, one of the people you dedicate it to is your Uncle Barry, who you say has Cuba in his heart. So would you tell us a little about uh, He sure does. He sure does. <laughs> he lives in Connecticut. And anytime you give Uncle Barry a call, we're going to talk about Cuba. And he just had such a passion and a love for that place. And it was very, very tragic and hard when they had to leave. And I think he just, he just feels that he's still there. His heart is still there. He wants, he would love to be buried there when he died, you know? So yeah, when you talk to Uncle Barry, man, you're going to get some stories. So it was kind of fun to run through memory lane with him because he would tell a version of a story and my mother would tell a slightly different version. I'm like, okay, who's, who's giving me the true deets on this? But, (laughs) oh, it's lovely to talk to him though. He's a character. He is a character. Now, does, does he show up in your book some, or is Papa Luis more your grandfather than him? Or, well, Papa Luis is my grandfather, my grandpa Dupont, who was born in Guantanamo. Um, but a lot of times, when people are reading it, they say, "You know, that's really more your dad," because my father, who also grew up in Cuba, just is this generous, amazing man, and everyone who meets him absolutely loves him. And he has this mischievous sense of humor. So my, I guess my Papa Luis is kind of a combination of the two. And uh, that just makes it really special to me. And, and who likes the classic cars? I, here where I am in Newport, classic cars are, are a, a big thing. I can, anytime I go on a walk, I see some classic Mercedes or Ford. Oh, nice. So uh, who, who, who inspired the classic cars in your book? Well, that's very much a Cuban thing, because, of course, after Cuba fell to the communists, they couldn't get any other cars uh, and parts imported and exported. So they have all of these amazing cars there. It's like frozen in time. And they've had to figure out how to, you know, like duct tape. And those people can keep those cars going. I'll tell you, they have skills. And cars are very much a part of that whole uh, culture. So that was kind of just a fun thing to include in there. Yeah, I don't drive a classic car, sadly. I drive a cheap Toyota with a dent in the fender, but you know, <laughs> you can dream, right? You can dream. <laughs> <a super> classic. 
<laughs> oh yeah, it's definitely, definitely. <laughs> I want to get one of those big magnet band-aids. Have you seen those? They're a big magnet, but it looks like a band-aid and you can put oh. it over the, the dent in your car. Because <laughs> people are always telling me, Dana, there's a dent in your fender. I'm like, I know there's a dent in my fender. So if I had a big band-aid on the car, people would stop asking me that. So they'd ask you why there's a Band-Aid on your car. But at least they'd know, I know there's an owie, right? This is true. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, maybe not. So, uh, uh, switching topics a little, uh, Pine of No Returns, your first cozy mystery. Not your first book, though. Um, no. So you also write suspense novels. You write lighthearted contemporary romance. You write other mystery series. And you write nonfiction. So would you tell us some about your other works? Well, I started, I'm going to just say 23 years ago, writing professionally, and I started in Cozy Mystery. And then I transitioned, sidestepped into romantic suspense novels, and I've written like 45, 50 of those. Wow. But I really like, my heart was like, oh, I miss my Cozy Mysteries, you know, you, it really gets in your, in your gut there. And I had an opportunity with my agent to uh, to write a series for Poison Pen Press. I'm like, yes, yes, all right. So now I'm back where I belong in mystery. And I also write the suspense novels. It's kind of a fun, you know, thing to do both because you're in a cozy little mystery in a small little world. And then you're in a running for your life in a, in a everyone's trying to kill you at every moment. And it's kind of a fun, you know, thing to have a foot in both worlds. So I'm trying to keep it to two genres right now. Cozy and suspense. Don't get, you know, as my friend says, stay in your lane. She's always saying this, stay in your lane. The thing is, I have never been able to really commit to one lane, you know. It's a book, that's your lane, right? Writing is my lane, right? <laughs> that's a good way to look at it, Alexia. I'm going to remember that. <laughs> And so the difference between cozies and suspense, that is, you know, a lot of people do ask about that. And um, so how would you, you kind of touched on that. Can you talk some more about how the, the two genres differ and how you sort of you know, go back and forth between them when you're, when you're working on one or the other? Well, it's a difference of focus and pacing. Cozy, the focus is on solving the puzzle. You have actively someone kind of, you know, cluing and retrieving things and putting things together and actively solving a puzzle along with the reader. The reader's like, ha I got it before you, you know, that kind of thing. And it's a slower pace. We get to know the town. We get to talk about freak shakes. We get to talk about the dog, right? Suspense is more about you're trying to stay alive. There may or may not be a mystery. It may just be you're trying to stay alive. And the pacing is very, 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 very quick. So there's not time to be talking about the dog getting you a bottle of ranch dressing out of the fridge. And we don't really care that you're sitting down and eating a scone and how it tasted. No, no, no. So this is a much faster pace. So they both can, can contain a mystery, but the pacing is completely different. And I think that's um, refreshing to me as a writer to be able to write both because one the cozy you can definitely include a lot more humor and I love that and weird quirky characters and I love that and then the suspense it's very exciting because you're always like what's the next thing that's going to happen and oh my goodness and this is a terrible thing and it's just edge of your seat so that feeds my I guess uh attention short attention span so yeah it's fun to write both 
And you also wrote a nonfiction, I think it was called a second chance dogs. What what was that like? Oh, um, that's an anthology. So I can't claim credit for that. I just participated. I added a story and ironically, it was the story of Junie when we got Junie. And, you know, that was quite an episode in Mentinkland. So it was, we had lost a dog previous and it was kind of about that journey and how she basically chose us, as I told you. Uh, yeah, so that's that's a, a collection of stories about people's do- dogs who have changed people's lives. So that was a fun thing to participate into. I don't do too much nonfiction, so that was kind of fun. I'm like, oh, I can't make things up. I have to tell the truth. <laughs> so it's good for me. <laughs> so what's what's next for Trinidad? Oh, I'm having so much fun, Alexia. I can't even tell you. I just finished the second one. We're doing edits on that. And that has to do with something called a rail biking business. Have you ever been rail biking? Do you have that where you live? Uh, We probably do, but it sounds athletic, which means I have no idea what it's about. (laughs) Well, okay, me neither. But they say that you don't have to be that like robust to do it. I've yet to do it, but there's one in our area. Um, It's you you sit on a little rail car with your partner, and you like pedal and it goes along the railroad tracks and you see the beautiful countryside. And they tell me there are electric assisted pedals. So if you're like, (laughs) it will just help you. So that's how I'm talking my sister into doing it with me anyway. No, there's electrical assistance. We'll be fine. Or maybe you could just call for help. Somebody come and get me. But anyway, it takes place during Alpenfest. (laughs) So it's the fall and there's all of these Alpenfest activities in Upper Sprocket. And there's this rail riding drama. And oh, boy, I'm having a great time. So we had to think of some fall freak shake flavors. You know what I mean? Like the Yodelay Hichu. Because it's during Alpenfest and there's yodeling. You get it? Yodelay. Okay. Did I say that? Yodelay. Oh, I forget. Yodelay something. It's yodelay Hechu, I think so. So it's just been a lot of fun and corniness and just uh, really fun. And we got to go in a little bit to the, uh, <clears throat> her potential love interest is a little bit more of the story. So great fun. Do you find it's kind of fun to write the second one because you already kind of know the characters? The third one was fun. The second one was actually nerve-wracking because I was afraid I would screw it up because I'd established the characters and like, oh my gosh, what if they don't sound like they did in the first one? <laughs> or what if they suddenly change the spelling of their name or they have like blue eyes instead of brown or, oh my word, I know. Yeah. <laughs> I know. That's <laughs> Okay, well, there you go. Maybe when I get to the third one, it'll be a piece of cake, but Yes, I have been I have been known to accidentally change people's names from book to book. And I get lots of nice letters and I say, oh, thanks so much for pointing that out. Really appreciate it. And I do appreciate it. But don't send me anything with mean capital letters, people. That's what I'm telling you. If you're going to correct me, do it nicely. Okay. Smiley faces, not not mean all caps notes, you know. (laughs) Maybe instead of correcting you, they'll send you ideas for freak shakes. Oh, yeah. As I said, we're doing this contest. You wouldn't believe it. Like the, the most the most fun. And the, the fun thing is the, pe- the names people come up with. Like, I want s'more, you know, a s'more. <laughs> Just adorable. People are so creative. And readers are really creative, I find, you know. I guess because they read all the time. But they're just really amazing, amazing <laughs> ideas. Having a blast. So what's next for you besides working on, on, on book number three, well, editing book number two and working on book number three and the Shake Shop 
series? Uh, well, on the suspense end, we I'm doing a f- six book series that takes place in Death Valley. Oh. So I'm on book four. Uh, and we're putting together a suspense collection. And let's see, I guess that's about it. Uh, working on a c- couple continuities. Did you, I don't know if you're familiar with that. I write for Harlequin Love Inspired Suspense and they uh, put together ideas for series and then they hire authors to do each book. So I'm working with uh, six other authors and doing one that takes place in Alaska, which was fun because I got to interview a reindeer rancher. Talk about your Zoom moments. I Zoomed a gal in Fairbanks, Alaska, who runs a reindeer ranch, a reindeer ranch. I mean, how many people in the world do that? It was so much fun. And I, I'm going to go visit in next summer. But anyway. I did. Having lived in Alaska, I can say that summer is... Oh, you have? Oh, did you did you live the winters in Alaska? I, I survived three winters in Alaska, and that was... Wow. It was hard. Some I admire my- you. I, I don't think I could do it. <laughs> I'm wimpy. I live in California. It gets to be 60, and we're like, when's the end of times? You know, we're like, what? Oh, yeah. 60s is short weather in Alaska. Uh-huh. My husband spent a summer in Nome, and he said to me that that's what the people told him, you know, shorts. Are, you know. I mean, I, I, I did kind of poke a little bit of fun at the people who were complaining that they were sweltering when it was 70 degrees out, but then winter hit, <laughs> not making fun. <laughs> that was humbling, huh? I bet, I bet it was. <laughs> oh, funny. Oh. So where, where can readers buy a copy of Pine of No Return to uh, a read while they're, they're waiting for the, uh, the story of the reindeer rancher to come out? Oh, well, let's see. It, uh, it's up for pre-order now, all the places you look for pre-orders like Amazon and Barnes and Noble and all that. And then it releases on May 25th. So right around the corner. And, you know, all your, I mean, if there's still bookstores in the world, you can probably find it at that we only have Barnes and Noble here because all of our oh, bookstores wow. kind of went belly up. Um, I think Books a Million. Do we still have that? I don't know. All of those uh, outlets, but uh, certainly Amazon and pop on my website. You can figure it out how to how to track me down if you want to. Well, if it makes you feel better, some independent bookstores have actually opened um, here on the on the East Coast. Like one That's great. It's opened here in Newport. So folks listening, you can order Pine of No Return from Charter Bookshop in Newport, Rhode Island. Fantastic. And I'm glad to hear that. Glad to hear that. We need more independent bookstores. We do. They're yeah. I'm glad to hear they still exist. They do. So. <laughs> and uh, speaking of your, your website, um, is that the best place for readers to connect with you? Find out more sure. About- you can find me at danamentink.com and I am on the cyber highway, of course, on Facebook. I have a private Facebook group, um, which is a lot of fun, but you can message me if you'd like to join that. But you know, just the usual places. Yeah. Um, are you on Twitter and Instagram as well? Some some pictures I of am. Instagram. <laughs> Mostly, I just entertain myself on Instagram. Honestly, I don't. I very rarely market there. So, if you want to know about books and things, you have to go to Facebook or my website because Instagram. I'm probably talking to you about my box turtle and my search for slugs and snails and all that good stuff. So, uh, it's not a lot of <laughs> not a lot of book related stuff there. But um, and Twitter, I you know 
I like Twitter, but people are kind of a, a little slightly bit negative on Twitter. So I try to just hang out on the positive spots and, uh, and avoid the rest. So, you know what I mean about Twitter? Hmm. <laughs> There's a lot of hostility on Twitter. So, you know, we hang out where, where the positive people are, I guess. So box turtles on Instagram sounds like fun and, and cozy readers are also animal lovers for the most part. So I'm sure some folks will love to see the, the turtles. Geriatric box turtle. We've had her for 33 years. Wow. So, uh, you know, when you're an old box turtle, you just do what you want. You don't have to show anybody any badges. You just, you know, you're you. But That's anyway, awesome. you go to, go to sleep four months a year and then you wake up and go, hey, how about a snack? So... <laughs> Actually, it sounds like a pretty good life. <laughs> it's a great life. I know. <laughs> Fantastic. A good gig. If you have a good owner who, who caters to you, it's a good gig. <laughs> well, that's all I have. So thank you for joining me in the corner today, Dana. Thank you for having me. It was lovely and delightful. And I am really going to enjoy finishing your book and embarking on the rest of the series. Well, thank you very much. And okay. um, thank you for being willing to uh, call in from your from your closet to be a guest on my show. Sure. My closet is your closet. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for having me. It's been a blast. And thank you listeners for tuning in to another episode of The Cozy Corner with Alexia Gordon. My guest today was Dana Mentink, author of Pint of No Return, The First Shake Shop Mystery. I'm Alexia Gordon, your host. Until next time, listeners, goodbye. Thank you, listeners, for tuning in to another episode of The Cozy Corner with Alexia Gordon. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a five-star rating or review. Help me keep bringing you fun and informative chats with authors of cozy and traditional mysteries by supporting the podcast on Patreon at www.patreon.com slash author Alexia Gordon. Until next time, goodbye. Thank you.